0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Carlo with 4 TV. We have a very special guest. For the first time ever, we are going to be talking about virtual reality, a.k.a. VR, today, which is a very exciting topic for us, and it's something that is starting to grow tremendously. And on the panel uh, with me is Adam from 4 TV. but our very special guest today is Lucas. Lucas... Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh,
1: yeah, so my name's Lucas Martel. I am the sort of like the lead designer, creative director for Walkabout Mini Golf, which is one of the top multiplayer games on the Oculus Quest and we're on everything. We're on Steam, um, uh, we just released on Biport. We've got a couple of platforms coming, um, but I've got a small studio here in Austin, Texas called Mighty Coconut. Um, and we have been doing mostly animation for the last uh, seven, eight years, but yeah, I come from an animation background. I did a short film about 10 years ago called Pigeon Impossible that became the basis for Spies in Disguise, which came out like right before the pandemic hit with Will Smith and Tom Holland. Will Smith gets turned into a pigeon, um, but Blue Sky up in New York uh, did, that, did that one. Uh, so yeah, so we've been mostly around the animation space and then I've been starting to play around with VR um, and games in general for the last few years, and then uh, yeah, it was a li- just a little bit over a year ago that released Walkabout Mini Golf right before the Quest 2 came along, and yeah, just sort of like, we're very much writing sort of this new wave of, of VR that's kind of been happening over this last year and a half.
0: Awesome. Interesting. What From animation, what mm-hmm. got you into VR? Um... It was a mix
1: of things. I mean, I think that there's there's just something about VR that creates a whole different experience. That you know, especially if you compare it to like there was there was films and they started doing like the like stereo or three D films for a little while, and that felt like oh, this is kind of cool. And VR sort of like is is in a way sort of not at all like that just because the amount of presence that you get and the sense that you really are in this other environment, it's just a very powerful feeling that you, you really can't even sort of express and like even people try to do trailers and commercials and stuff that show like, oh, here's what it, you know, this is the VR experience, but you just really can't convey that until you put on a headset, and I know we got one of the the DK two, one of the very first dev kits that came out before even sort of like the initial wave of VR, before they had the touch controllers for your hands, and even that was just so immersive. It was like, oh, this is a this is a whole brand new thing. Um, and I think that coming from animation, myself and the the studio, we had a lot of the skills in house to be doing this in terms of animation modeling programming uh we kind of were adjacent in so many different ways um i will say though, game design and vr is still a very it's a massively different um production process than than doing games or vr so we have had to learn a lot about totally kind of changing how our how our brains work a little bit as far as actually making stuff and getting it done but um but a lot of the core skills are the same in terms of the software you're using and how you're generally sort of creating these creating these worlds and assets and stuff.
2: So you started at the beginning of the industry, right when uh, the first Rift SDK or headset was basically,
1: released. Basically, yeah, we didn't actually release a true true VR game until Walkabout, but we had done um, we did one called Fifty Seven North, which was for the Merge Cube. I wonder if I have one here. Oh yeah. Um, this was like one of the first like AR devices that came out, but it's just, so we did a, um, it's called 57 North, but we did a branching Uh narrative story where you'd be looking at it. It would actually like a shadow box. So it would have depth to it. Um, Mm -hmm. and then as you, you would just turn it to be whichever. So if you wanted to choose the up direction, you would just rotate it towards yourself and then a new panel would open up. So it was sort of a branching narrative built in this, and it did technically work with VR glasses, but it was the mobile. You stick your phone into the thing. Um, so we kind of got involved, I think it was 2017 that that came out. So kind of mm-hmm. right on that cusp. And then we did one other game, um, called laser mazer that won, mm-hmm. um, the, the jury pre at indicate Europe and we were at oh, Indiecade there in LA as well. But, um, but yeah, that one was, you played it with your, you played it with your phone because it was still like AR. Um, we were using like AR kit and AR core, which are the phone AR tool sets but you would play it by physically walking around your environment and so you would mm-hmm. literally be like walking around it was kind of designed to be played outdoors or in a big space but we did have a, a lock button so that you could play it even in a room as small as mine um, mm-hmm. but it was just very cool because it was you didn't have the headset on so you really did have the freedom of walking around and moving more aggressively than you would with the VR headset just because it wouldn't be safe but with the phone you're still aware of your environment but um, it was a, it was very cool, and it was very sort of. Um, I'll just tie this into sort of where walkabout, uh, the the mini golf game came about because the thing that we found with that is that everyone had a lot of fun playing it. However, because it was a single player experience, and because it kind of required you to do some silly things, just mm-hmm. it worked best outside. But you were having to like duck under lasers while looking at your phone, and just you were constantly doing. B- very cool. physically active a lot of people though were kind of self-conscious about it and it did require sort of like that space aspect so um walkabout actually started off um as a phone game um, and we were doing the same thing in fact we still have this version like we're about to um get back into it we just kind of had to put it on pause for a little bit um, but we have a phone version of walkabout where you play by holding your phone and you just are looking at the screen and you just putt by swinging your phone um, but that idea kind of came out of Laser We're so like, okay, this is a bit more of a contained experience. It's still using the same AR tracking stuff, but it, But you could play it inside. You could even play it sitting down. It's just a little bit more accessible to people, but it still has that physicality. Um, and then basically as I had created that, um, the AR version of the game, and then the Quest 1 came out, and so the next yeah. decade, I really quickly just did a, a little port over to the Quest One. At that point, it was only a couple months old, and I had showed the, a couple of the Oculus guys who were there, and they're like, "Oh, this is really cool." And that was right at that very early stage of the standalone VR, sort of what's that's really sort of taken over now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was very much sort of like we already had a we had already solved one of the biggest problems for mobile or for standalone VR, which is. You're happy, the processing is so limited. And because we were doing it on a phone, we were already heavily, heavily optimizing in order to just let it run on a phone. So, so it
2: ported really easy then?
1: Relatively so, yeah. I mean, to get it up and going from the mobile version, um, it really only took like three or four weeks with the Oculus kind of SDK. And again, the game was fully functional on AR before that. It was just a matter of, awesome. sort of porting it over. So, yeah, very much kind of one of those. I always say to people who are kind of getting into VR and AR, maybe this is starting to change a little bit, but those, especially these early few years have been like stuff changes so fast. And I mm-hmm. feel like things are starting to stabilize and we kind of have a better idea of what's coming in the next year or so. Yeah. But for a lot of folks, especially small studios who are getting into it, sort of like trying to do something that you can, do and get out pretty quickly like six months is like ideal it takes longer oh, wow. than that who knows where the next sort of yeah where the where things are going to sort of evolve from here so it's still so early you have to be kind of nimble
2: believe it or not uh Walk about mini golf is carlos first experience with vr oh, and yeah. uh <laughs> he was
1: fully immersed mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a great time with it yeah. and uh uh, you How long know, ago was that that you, uh, that you had that experience, Carlo?
0: That was probably, I want to say what maybe not even like two and a half months ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was one of the people that was like, you know, um, I went to, I don't know if you ever heard of it, Orlando IX. Uh, and they had a lot of stuff about VR back then. I spoke to yeah. Chance Chance Glasgow, and he and this was a couple of year, quite a few years ago, and he said that you know VR wasn't really ready because it wasn't at least ninety frames per second per eye at the mm-hmm. time. And so I had this idea in my head that VR was never going to be. Good for gaming you know because Mm -hmm. i i thought it could never be possible and then adam was like oh well you should try vr because it it works now you don't get that motion sickness that most people used to get Mm -hmm. and i put on the uh rift at the time um, Mm -hmm. that adam kindly sent me and i got into uh walkabout mini golf Mm -hmm. and i was blown away i was like there is no way that i cuz like once you put that on you feel like that you're in that world you know yeah. the ambient sounds the waterfalls you just hear everything and you're so immersed into it and when i found the first um hidden ball i was like mm-hmm. oh man okay these guys are awesome they know what they're doing <laughs> this is this is awesome yeah. and i got to be honest i've been i've been hooked on it um ever since i think that the overall design of your game is it's just amazing it's it's so immersive and i think anybody who was a doubter in vr they play your game they're gonna they're gonna want to be into (laughs) more vr for sure yeah
1: Uh, yeah it's it's funny we've kind of like we did kind of one of the design things that I've always been a big fan of is sort of like trying to keep that basic interface as sort of like as absolutely simple as possible. And mm-hmm. one of the things is that you actually can play the entire game and the only button that you need is the trigger button. Yep. And yep. so I had like even my parents were beta testers and mm-hmm. that was fantastic just because we've had, there's been a lot of people getting into VR. A couple of people have even said sort of like we're almost in that same space that like Wii Sports was. But there yeah. were a lot of people who played that I think that with what we could do with the headset and everything, there's a lot more immersion that we can get with that. And the fact that we could do new courses that take you to a new place every time. And we can do a lot with the the physics gameplay that really does create a new experience sort of every single course we do. Um, But there is something to that. And we've had a lot of folks playing as sort of like the the kind of the first VR experience. Um, Mm. It's also a very comfortable game in that We do have smooth locomotion. You can fly. There's some things that people who are more experienced or have their sort of VR legs can do, but it doesn't require you to be proficient with VR navigation. Like it's and it's a real world activity that people already understand. So there's just something very nice that it just kind of it's a good way to ease people into VR. It seems like
2: it's the perfect game to get your VR legs.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that yeah, and then. The other aspect of that too, which was kind of a a fluke because I had made the whole game as a single player game. And then Oculus was really pushing to, oh, multiplayer, like everyone wants to play this with friends. And so I I was reluctant to do that only because this was mostly a solo dev project and I had never done multiplayer. And so mm-hmm. about two months before launch, I kind of quickly got multiplayer up on its feet and working. Wow, um, wow. This is a very, I mean, relatively speaking, it's one of the easier games to do something like that with. It's turn-based, you know, like- really? you, you need to, like, there's, there's some more complexity to it than, than you might necessarily think about, but still compared to a lot of other multiplayer games where you have to worry about lag and different things like that. It's a it's a, one of the easier ones to do. But yeah, so the multiplayer thing was something that they really pushed for. I kind of added it in, and I'm so glad that I did, because yeah. that's the other aspect of VR, that when you're playing a game with someone who's on the other side of the world, it still feels like you're in the same room as people. We even had a lot of folks doing, like, even businesses, just like, oh, yeah, the, the options for this meeting are either, like, Zoom, like, slack call or walkabout and we'll just they'll just if they don't have to like look <laughs> at a board like and i i just saw like mural and trello and a couple of other places like they'll hop in and do yeah play around if they're just doing like a quick stand-up meeting or something they will just play around awesome. they while they're ch- while they're chatting so it's that that there is something about vr that, that shared space yep. that until you do it, it's hard to really wrap your head around it. But once you're in there with someone else, you, you get like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember where we were at in this virtual world when someone said a certain thing. And it, there's some weird sort of brain thing that, that mm-hmm. happens with that. So, yeah.
2: The social aspect of, the, of, of VR is a game changer for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. And yeah. I'm really glad you implemented that into the game.
1: Oh yeah, yeah no, I do yeah. because that's really what's what's driven everything. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, it's also one of those things. That I think that there's so many different things that you can do in VR, and that's not to say that the multiplayer stuff that that's the only thing that works in VR because there's some great single player oh, experiences too. Definitely. And even like there's even a, a several of our players even just play it single player because to them it's more of a Zen relaxing sort of like kind of a way to chill out after a rough day sort of thing. So yeah, you could use it for a lot of a, a lot of different things, but but yeah, there's I think that is one aspect. actually, the other thing that I mean that we're absolutely doing now. Um, I remember though, when we were on the dk two, the 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 dev kit, before they had the touch controllers. yeah, And we, we were just using game controllers for everything. they like, oh, we're adding these hand supports. And I was one of the ones like, why? That sounds like a gimmick. Until you actually get in there and try it. And then you realize, oh, wait a second, I can interact. And like, it's one of those things that at the time it didn't quite click because we were still so in the old school gaming buttons, controlling things, but then as soon as you add that, just that ability to yeah truly it's interact a game with the world. Yeah, yeah, it completely changes what you can do with the game and stuff like that is is I'm, I've, I've tried to sort of really um, with any new sort of like thing that comes out, uh, I try to sort of like put any of my preconceived notions like until I actually try it. I try mm-hmm. to put them aside because yeah, until you actually get in there, it's really hard to imagine what your brain is going to do um even like haptics like whenever you hit the ball there's that little vibration um in fact we have even got i don't i guess i don't have it here but we've got people who have made like putter extensions so they can actually Mm -hmm. hold like a real putter handle and the way the vibrations travel up the uh up the 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 handle of the club it absolutely feels like you just hit a real ball and there's something about your brain that puts all those pieces together that makes it feel like real in a way that you wouldn't have necessarily yet. You wouldn't have thought that it would be that convincing.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I was going to say that one of the designs about uh, About Walkabout Minigolf that I think is amazing that you have done is the fact that um, we have a friend with uh, cerebral palsy, and Mm -hmm. he's actually able to play your game sitting Mm -hmm. in the same spot. He doesn't have to worry about you know moving the wheelchair around and trying to hit the ball and that is uh one of the i think greatest accessibility uh things about the game and it's bringing <laughs> more and more people together in fact the game is so popular amongst our community of friends um that they're doing community game nights now on walkabout mini golf oh awesome yeah yeah,
1: yeah. it's uh, i think it's there's a couple of things with that. So the like the the lock ball position is the feature that they like to do. I, I we still want to find a way to make that a little bit more easy for people to see because there's a setting that you have to turn on and it exists for a variety of reasons. One of them is specifically for yeah for like if you're playing in a chair, you can just line yourself up and then you won't have to move for the rest of the, the rest of the thing. But yeah, I feel like in a way we were kind of lucky that we didn't have that myself and the studio didn't have sort of Deep gaming experience just because a couple of things, like the fact that it's just a room code, is kind of primitive until you're in VR and you realize it's so difficult to communicate with other people in order to sync up and finding getting people on a friends list and all that. So mm-hmm. some things like like tournaments, like you could just bracket out a tournament and just say, oh, you're in room X, you're in room Y, you're in room Z, and you d- you it. It is primitive, but in some ways I feel like it's way, way more accessible and there's just like, yeah, minimal, minimal button presses that you need to do in order to meet up with other people. It works really well. It works really well. I'm surprised at how, how well that works. I was like, okay, this is the hacky way to get multiplayer in really (laughs) quick. We'll have to redo this later. But in retrospect, sometimes the, especially in VR, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of the traditional things that you would do in games or ways of meeting up, ways of connecting, ways of just doing all that sort of stuff that seem like they have kind of, yeah, they just don't work as well when you don't have some of the other apps. Like the fact that you, I don't, I bet there probably there is or there will soon be some like Discord or ways of Mm. sort of like communicating like side chats, but still typing in VR is still kind of clunky and it's getting better, Mm. but, you know, there's just some, you need a couple more ways of, of communicating with people. And yeah, trying to keep it as yeah. simple as possible is great. I agree, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was a, that was a very deep tangent that you probably didn't. <laughs> didn't
0: no, it's, it's, no, it's, it's fascinating. fascinating. It's, yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, um, Adam, go ahead if you have a question. I have- No, I
2: was just curious how big of a team it, it took to develop the game. The, so the
0: the, 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 the base game that launched with four
1: courses um, and not a whole lot of frills, um, that was uh-huh. basically me as a solo dev. Wow. Um, yeah, I did have one, uh, so what, I did have a little bit of modeling help and we used some stock assets, which also helped on that in terms of the environment creation, but I did three of the four um, courses myself. And then yeah, I had, a, had another, one of, my, um, one of my old business partners was the uh, model tourist trap, the first course. Um, and now he's coming back um, to help us out. So we've now grown to thirteen, I believe. Now, wow, that's um, so, impressive. Yeah. So as we as we're starting to do more courses, more features, and just generally now the game's kind of taken on some life, and it feels like it's mm-hmm. we've entered that 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 amazing space that very few games get get to, and that mm-hmm. we have a strong enough user base that we're now able to like. We can build on this, and we can keep doing more courses, and keep yeah. doing adding more mechanics and features and all that sort of stuff. And we want to keep that that game healthy and growing mm-hmm. and and all those sorts of things. So yeah, so the team has scaled up a, a pretty decent bit. Um, not to get too deep into it, but that's been one of the biggest challenges for me because I know how to run an animation team, but yeah. running you would think that oh, there's a lot of crossover between running an animation studio and running a game studio, but they the two are like fundamentally sort of like just the way that you approach stuff and think about it is very, very different. Um, okay. And a lot of the folks on our team do come from an animation background. Um, mo- yeah, mostly animators, modelers for animation. Um, one of our more recent, we've got a new senior art director who actually comes from Disney Imagineering. Oh,
0: um, wow, uh, that's and cool.
1: So- Yeah, so he's, uh, we haven't really gotten a chance to see any of his courses out yet because we're still on the ones that we started developing six to nine months ago. Um, But in the next one or two, you'll start to sort of see his stuff kind of start to filter in a little bit more. And he does have a very, um, he brings an interesting aspect of that like theme park design because really each of our courses is almost like a little theme park turned into a mini golf course, essentially. Um, and there's a lot of crossover there in terms of how we show these environments and create that sense of like as you're walking through that new that you you stumble across things that you weren't expecting or that were kind of hidden from view there's a lot of that sort of stuff that kind of gets mm-hmm. brought in um, but yeah so the whole team is a very interesting mix of people from all different backgrounds and only a couple of the of the team members have like deep deep gaming experience so that's we're, we're trying to both, um, get better about that about knowing the gaming space more but at the same time i also feel like there's something special about coming in without some of those like oh this is just the way you do it and it kind of forces us to kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit but sometimes the wheel needs reinventing for this new medium
0: yeah Mm -hmm. i wanted to say that uh one of my favorite courses in walkabout mini golf and i'm curious how you guys came up with the idea Mm -hmm. is the the haunted course
1: yeah. So, uh, original Gothic. That was the first add-on course that we did after the base game launched. Um, that was well. We knew that it was going to be coming out because we had launched in September, like mid-September, and we knew we wanted to put something out kind of around um, around Halloween. So we very. So that was kind of the the. The first one that we that we did that was using mostly stock models, so that was one that I mostly did pretty quick. Um, we did have the first team members start to be able to help me out on that one, um, so that was the first one we had more more of a collab um, sort of experience on. And the one of the sort of design tenets that we've sort of had is that any course that we do, because people are going to be playing around in there for something you know if it's a big multiplayer game with four or five people like you'll be in there for an hour mm. so we want every single one of our courses to be a place that you want to spend time in and to me like yeah the sort of like the gothic course like that's still even though it's not sort of like the zen peaceful sort of vibe that a lot of our other courses have it's still cool and it's not like it's fun creepy it feels like going to a theme park sort of thing But there was some talk originally like, oh, well, the night course, the hard mode, how are we going to sort of like we had talked about doing like really making it creepier, like making you play with a flashlight, Um, which is a cool idea. And that's not to say that we won't do something like that down the road, but Mm -hmm. it was very clear that, oh, wait, this does start to get just a little creepier and it's not people don't feel comfortable just hanging out in this space for a while um and so we kind of went the opposite direction where because we had christmas coming up we're like oh well we'll just make the halloween course the christmas course and just throw christmas lights And yeah elf vomit was the word that we came up with like that someone just got into that dungeon and just sort of like put yeah they griswolded it up just put christmas lights on every possible surface and um and yeah so that was a lot of fun and a lot of work to kind of get all that yeah to kind of like redeck this this whole castle out for christmas but uh but yeah was
0: that that kind of answer the question you had carla it does, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. definitely. Is yeah. there um, is there a favorite course that you have, or any of the team members have?
1: Um, I think that right now, everyone like everyone has has a different different uh, different opinions on it. But I think that the team favorite right now is probably Shangri La. Um, it's the newest one; it's the new DLC that we just launched. But especially night mode on Shangri La with the lanterns floating up, it's just that's the first course that we've released where you really do see sort of like okay this had the full team behind it. Cutie Valley was also sort of like right on the verge of that. Um but you can it just goes to show the difference that you can get out of having like one person kind of doing stuff solo versus a team that's able to be a lot more um it's able to be a lot more, just do a lot more stuff in terms of the the visuals of the gameplay and just polish things more and add more, just add more life to the environment. Um, but yeah, Shangri-La is definitely way up there. Cutie Valley is also a bit of a favorite. Um, there's also a bit of a mix too, depending on some people prefer the gameplay of certain types of courses and the visuals of other types. So we try to mix that up as much as possible and just really get a wide, you know, We try to make it so that each course really does have its own, not just visual aesthetic, but even from a gameplay standpoint, like Cutie Valley doesn't have many of the, like the hard edge, like usual mini golf, like four by fours or hard barriers. Like it's all these gently sloping sort of things that you can put up and over and around. And all those design choices kind of give each course their own sort of like, they play in fundamentally different ways than something like Arizona modern, which is very geometric and circular. So it's the, it's the windmills
2: kind of. are fantastic, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. The windmills <laughs> that one came. The Cutie Valley came from um, a lot of people. Were like, you're doing a mini golf game, you have to do windmills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have always hated the windmill hole <laughs> on every like real life mini golf course that I played. It's always just felt very like obligatory. Like that, no one seems to ever do. in a lot of the real life courses, I haven't played mini many of those courses where they took the windmill hole and did something really cool with it. It was always just like, nope, you put it through the windmill and then you <laughs> get in the hole, like it's always kind of meh. So we did want to say like, okay, we're gonna do windmills, but what's our version that we can take this and do it bigger and not have to worry about safety of people getting smacked in the head with these giant windmills. <laughs> and. Just generally, sort of like, yeah, do some stuff that you couldn't ever do in the real world, and that's yeah, yeah that's kind of where Coyote Valley came from. That idea of like, but we're going to do a whole course built around windmills, but we're going to do it. Nice, all. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I should also mention that's probably my favorite piece of music as well. So Chris Raymond, our composer, um, has done the music for, for all of all of my games and films and everything. But then he's also uh, yeah, all the courses. I think Kiyote Valley is probably my favorite piece of music maybe that he's well not that he's ever done but but definitely for this game cutie valley the soundtrack to that one is really is really stunning
2: i really enjoyed the music in uh cherry blossom oh yeah Mm -hmm. it feels really zen Mm -hmm.
1: yeah (laughs) You (laughs) you know music was also something that we didn't even have in the initial launch of the game we added that maybe like six months after um, yeah, yeah. Originally, I was a little concerned about the music becoming too repetitive, and it took us a while to sort of find like, okay, here's a length that's not like unwieldy for us to create, but that also like gives you that Zen vibe, and it kind of fades into the background, and it's kind of mm. ambient, but it still has some personality and some melody to it, things like that. Yeah. But yeah, all of the pieces are. I I love all the music because yeah, Cutie Valley is my favorite by far. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm still trying to get familiar with all the course names because a lot of times I just join the rooms and Adam yep. or our other friends just throw me into a course and they're like, Oh, <laughs> what do you think about this? What do you think about mm-hmm. that? And so there's two things that really stick out to me and I don't know what course this is, uh, Adam. So you might have to name it, but there was one where we had to shoot the ball onto like this, um, almost, I, I don't know the proper name for it, but it's, not essentially a windmill, but it like um, is like a turn kind of wheel thing with wooden planks and there's like a waterfall and a lot of people had a hard time getting the ball onto the wooden planks and I got it on the first try. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the name of that course what I'm talking mm-hmm. about No I,
1: is that the one where you go in the cave? If it's turning we would well there's a couple that you go into the caves on.
0: No, I don't think it was a cave one. Um, if it Was it turning like this? Or was it... It was like a motion like this. Oh, yeah. In that case, then, it was
1: probably Cuyote Valley. There's one yeah. where you actually put up the windmill. Yes. Um, okay. And there's... And the easy version you just hit it in and then basically it becomes almost like a water wheel where it takes you up and then dumps you up at the top. But on the hard version, there's no back. So you have to put it far enough up that <sighs> it then rolls back and then you've got to get it back up. So yeah, we're, we're, we've sort of allowed ourselves to, uh, we've got a lot of fun ideas of holes that we want to do. And it's not unusual for us to design something and just be like, that is way too hard. And so we've, we're kind of okay with it in that the hard courses are in many, there's a lot of brutally hard holes on those. Mm. Um, but it also for the people who play the game a lot, it also feels like a good balance because, you know, we've got 10 courses now in easy mode and 10 hard courses. Like there's kind of something that, something in there for everyone. And we have a decent number of people who play it often enough that have gotten really freaking good at midi golf. Mm. So it's good to have some of those holes that like really present a good challenge to people um and yes especially watching some of the folks on our discord who play pretty much daily um they're shooting yeah negative you know negative 20 on the hard courses and, and it's like i have to remind some of our other designers sort of like that is the one percent of the one percent <laughs> who is able to do that like that's not the average player so you don't necessarily have to create as big of a challenge for them we want to keep them happy and keep them engaged but at the same time we still need to let mortals be able to complete this hole without or complete this course without yeah just checking their checking their, headset I, and their...
2: I personally have yet to get a hole in one and it's it's i am cursed at all? <laughs> yeah. okay yeah, at all all my mm-hmm. everybody I play with has I think has gotten a hole in one yeah. I don't know I, and I win. you know yeah, I still win, but I don't get a hole in one. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is. Oh no well, that's, uh, I mean, there's there's some holes I, that definitely the day back. will come.
1: Yeah. The day will come. <laughs> there's, some, there's definitely some holes that make it easier, and there's some also, like, one of the big design things that we do when we're kind of trying to come up with the gameplay is that usually what we're balancing is sort of risk versus reward. And mm-hmm. then we usually have, like, Almost every hole, not all of them, but most of them have like what we call a reasonable like hole in one, where you look at the hole and say like, "Oh, I see what I would need to do in order yeah. to get a hole in one." But usually, we try to up the risk of doing that by putting barriers or obstacles or traps in a way that will make it so that you've got to be really confident in order to do that. Um,
2: well, yeah, I think I take the I think I take the safest path. But <laughs> that's no, probably is. my. Yeah. yeah that's for pro- yeah that's probably my 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 problem
1: yeah no but that that consistency of being able to do it is sort of what we're but it also makes it fun because it for the people who are more competitive that then you get to that point like oh i'm down three strokes and three holes to go now i gotta like try doing super risky trick shot to yeah, exactly. you know to land this in one or things like that that it it does add it allows for that that competition or kind of like as people are yeah. playing to kind of create their own little narrative around like, oh yeah, no, I've got to, I got to pull off a, a, an amazing trick shot in order to, to catch up.
0: Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. so, uh, one question is, has anyone found all the hidden balls yet on all the real oh, yeah. courses? Mm-hmm. Uh, the,
1: uh, wow. quite a few, quite a few people have. Um, that's kind of become, I was surprised at how much that, Sort of like, I thought, oh, this will be a fun little thing to add. I wasn't expecting the, yeah, the fervor that people would have for the lost balls. Um, but it does seem like, yeah, that a, a lot of people, like, that's the very first thing they do. They go and they'll play the course, but they want to collect all those lost balls at the very first thing. So, um, so we, I- have gotten, we have gotten meaner about that. Where In the later courses, people were fighting them too quickly. So the last couple of DLCs, we've hidden them a lot harder on the last couple courses
2: yeah i think it was Gardens of babylon yeah there mm-hmm. was a few i couldn't find mm-hmm.
1: that was <laughs> I was tough like, too because that course is so dense just vegetation everywhere so there's a lot of places that you have to look to find them
2: yeah mm-hmm. um so is there any easter eggs in there that uh, we that a lot of people haven't found like uh, i'm talking about golf clubs or that you can could- well- so yeah, like so the,
1: there's the fox hunts on each of the hard courses, which easy courses have the lost balls. The hard courses uh-huh. have a fox hunt or like a, a treasure hunt basically with clues that'll lead you around. And if you complete all those, you'll unlock a special hunter for that course. Oh, okay, all the, hard, okay. all the hard, hard courses have that. That was actually how Henning Um, who has now kind of taken over as the main sort of course designer. Mm -hmm. Um, He had done some real-life fox hunts and done some game design of his own. So I brought him on just to sort of add fox hunts to all the courses. And then Mm -hmm. he immediately picked it up and started doing the actual course design as well. So um, that's been super fun. And I feel like there's a lot of those little extra mini games that we're starting to add. There's several more of those that we want to add just because I think Mm -hmm. that while the mini golf aspect is super fun, it's, we've already created this this world and the fact that we can do, just add, you know, it doesn't take a ton of work to add a lot more gameplay because we've already got this world and it's worth exploring. Um, And each of those courses is a nice sort of bite-sized level that um, you can get around it pretty quick, but you can still hide a lot of things because there's some density to it. So um, as far as like Easter eggs and stuff, we've got a decent bit in there. There's some stories behind various different, props that are all over the place. I know uh, there's one in Babylon. If you fly out and like back behind the course, some people have noticed like there's like this little tiny, almost like a bonsai tree with no leaves on it. That was um, (laughs) Edward's um, ode to uh, an early system that we had because we had a way that we could act. We were trying to get it so that we could actually have like actual leaves. So all the trees you would actually have like little leaves and especially Mm -hmm. on quest, like it just, it, could not render it at all, it just tanked performance. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because there was so much that we're trying to render. People don't necessarily think like, oh yeah, you're pushing the the limit of the quest with this mini golf Mm -hmm. game. But Mm -hmm. the big difference is that we are, we have physics running at an extremely realistic setting. Mm -hmm. And we've got, um, from many places on the course, you can see the entire course at once. And so even though it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you've like, uh, we could definitely do more with shaders and stuff to make it look more realistic, we've opted to go more for that sense of like, oh, no, the sense that you're in this much larger space and you can, you can see someone playing on the other side of the course all at once. That's mm. something that a lot of other VR games are not necessarily doing because it does just instantly take up most of your performance. Uh, but anyways, so that little, um, that empty tree was an ode to uh, this amazing, this amazing... Uh, leaf system that, that Craig had done, that he dropped it onto the onto the actual build. And it was very, it was instantly like, there is no way this will ever work until the hardware gets a couple generations down the road. So that was his ode to the, the lost work on, on yeah. this awesome leaf system.
2: Well, speaking of performance, is there any um, plans to take advantage of uh, application space warp or
1: the... We're looking at that. Mm-hmm. So we've we've done a little bit of playing with it. Um, mm-hmm. It requires a totally different rendering pipeline and a couple of different things. So mm-hmm. the whole... I can see that that would be super... That that would be super promising for certain types of games.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With us and with the physics and just a couple of various aspects that we have moving all around, we've had... it's. I guess the best way to say it is that a lot of these different optimizations um mm-hmm. are great for various are great for certain cases but there's very few sort of panaceas like oh that this one technique works for every single game across every different type of stuff yeah. and in general we've sort of like we've kind of had mixed results with it but it seems like okay yeah you could kind of you can get some benefit but at the same time you lose some other stuff and it ends up sort of like so yeah I, I have a feeling that it's sort of um, that that we're, if we do end up implementing it, I don't know that we're going to be able to push it as far as a lot of people think in terms of like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. you just get all this free performance. Yeah. Nothing is free, everything is a trade off, and it requires <laughs> yeah, you to exactly. do certain things in a different way in order to really sort of work well. So okay. I, I'd say that's kind of VR development on the tech side in a nutshell, sort of like mm. every single thing we add you know, means that you can't do something else. And we've got some um, Craig who's been doing a lot of the, like all the wind system that we added into Qt Valley and is now in Chang'e La. Um, a lot of that stuff, he's got some very sophisticated, very clever ways of doing it that it, it's not a negligible impact, but he's able to do it in a way that is highly, highly optimized specifically for certain bits of hardware. Um, and. Right now, as much as I love PC VR, and you do get a pretty nice graphics bump if you go onto PC VR, mainly just that we're rendering way more resolution. So it's just, it's really, really crisp on PC VR. Mm-hmm. Um, we want everybody to be able to play together though. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so we're, we are still very much in a quest first and we heavily, heavily optimized for quest. And then PC, it's great because then we just sort of like turn off all the optimizations. You'll never see any, you know, any log switching or any of the sort of like the, you know, the, the slightly uglier hacks that we have to do in order to get it to run on PCDR. You just see everything at full res all the time, which is also really, really nice. So. Okay. Yeah. oh, wow,
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Lucas, I, I know we're getting in towards that time. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely want to thank you for coming on and, and talking with us and sharing uh, some of this with us. Um, yeah. Where can where can people find you? Uh,
1: I'm on Twitter, um, kind of. Uh, I'm Lucas Martel at Lucas Martel on, on Twitter. Although I'm. Am- not very active the main Walkabout MG page is a better one um actually probably the place i'm most active is our discord so if you are playing the game or have questions about the game um it's just discord.walkaboutminigolf.com um, we'll get you there there's links all over our website at uh, mightycoconut.com um, but that is sort of become a, a pretty big hub for the game where you've always got people doing tournaments and and trick shot competitions and there's always people looking for a game so if you've got a vr headset and you want to play with people um, but don't have other friends who have it that's a really really good place um we do treat that as a bit more of a community and that we're able to police things a bit more and make sure there's no bad actors on there and just generally sort of like it's a really friendly group of people Um, and there's a lot of folks on there who have sort of like kind of Formed some very long-lasting friendships with other folks just from yeah just from being on the Discord. So that's a really good place to that uh, that I'm probably the most active on.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah. um, for everybody watching uh, later, um, check that out. Join that Discord. It sounds like a place to find other players too and a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you for listening. And Lucas, again, thank you for coming out. Thank yeah, you very
2: much. Yeah, thank you guys.
0: See you guys all later. Bye.